You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashofSteel.com. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and you are listening to episode, episode 92. Uh, regular panelists, freelance writer Rob Zachney. Good evening. Dr. Bruce Garrick. Yes. Hello, gamers. No funny accents this time? Next time. Next time. And joining us uh, this week, a very special guest, uh, the reviews editor from PC Gamer, one of my bosses, so I have to be nice to him tonight. Uh, review of a piece of gamer, Mr. Dan Stapleton. Dan, glad you could join us. Oh, I do feel very special. Thank you, Troy. Uh, we have Dan on to do a show that uh, a lot of people have been asking about. Uh, we do classic game analyses from time to time. We've only done a couple of them. I'd like to do them more often. And I've gotten a lot of emails saying, when is XCOM? When is XCOM? Here is XCOM. This week, we want to talk about XCOM, uh, the XCOM series. What makes it so great? why it has been, uh, people have tried to copy it or copy parts of it, but it hasn't really been surpassed, in my view. And uh, what made its special combination of strategy, RPG, and action-y tactic stuff uh, into a really special blend uh, that, in many ways, epitomized the era where it came out of, an era of experimentation, something we don't see a lot of anymore, at least not on that grand genre-making scale. Uh, so... Dan, you're a special guest, so I'm going to start with you. Uh, XCOM, when did you first play it, and did you know you were playing something special when you got your hands on it? Oh, God. I, I mean, I, I played it shortly after it came out. I was, I guess, uh, like 15 at the time, uh, to date myself a little bit. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't have my own PC at the time, so I spent a whole lot of time over at my friends' houses after school playing XCOM just nonstop. Um, so yeah, I had I had an inkling that it was that it was something a little special, um, just the the sheer addictiveness of it. Um, just ha- had to research that next technology, uh, shoot down just you know a couple more UFOs to get to get up to where I needed to be, uh, you know defending bases. It, it it really hooked me right away. Uh, Rob, you're the youngest one here, I think. Are you? Uh, yes, I am. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm, must be. I'm quite sure. You're quite sure you're the youngest one here. So, uh, well, how old XCOM. were you when XCOM came out? That's the the, uh, the yeah, that's, determining that's factor. Question. Uh, came out in '93, right? Yep. Uh, '94, I think. Um, one of those. One yeah. of those. So I was either 10 or 11. Okay, you win then. So when you well win, <laughs> well, is it, uh, so well no, see, you I lose because I might as well like get this right out in the open. Um, I actually have no history with the XCOM franchise, so I'm going to be letting you guys do most of the talking, but. You know, when it came out, I was, you know, my parents' computer is on its last legs, and um, basically I was an aspirational PC gamer, and my only memories of when it came out was, um, I think it was the cover story for Computer Game Strategy Plus, and the uh, cover said something like, the greatest game ever made, question mark? And, um, you know, that seemed, you know, <laughs> that seemed pretty exciting, but um, I didn't get around to playing it until actually like earlier this year and uh did it live up to the hype because it's a game that first the interface hasn't aged well at all you know i you know i let's let's revisit that because on the one hand there were were things i loved but i have to admit like i had a much harder time um getting over the dating than i expected i would Okay, we'll get back to that. Now, Bruce, you're, of course, you're the, the, the veteran here, um, the expert in many ways. Uh, XCOM was really a big deal. 
Oh, it was a huge deal. Um, I remember the game very well. Um, I actually, it's it's funny. I had a, an experience very similar to Dan's for a different reason. At that time, I was a complete uh, Mac Apple acolyte, and um, I was really um, committed to the uh, Motorola series of processors. And uh, so when XCOM came out, I, I actually had a friend. We we um, I was in investment banking at the time, and uh, I would go to uh, a friend of a friend of mine had a, a apartment uh, in a completely different area of the city than I did. So sometimes I would have to um, I would I would end up staying over at his house and then having to take the L to work, uh, having spent basically the whole night playing XCOM. It was it was kind of disturbing actually, but. Uh, <laughs> It was, a, it was a great time, and we would do this thing that I've done with other friends of mine when we play video games is that we would, um, like strategy games that were so single player, we would, you know, uh, switch off. So we would, uh, one of us would play one, uh, you know, encounter, and then the other, we would, then we would switch chairs, right? And the other person would, the, the person who was actually more involved was the person standing behind because he would be like, no, 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 don't, don't shoot at that guy. Don't shoot that. Oh, look, look, oh, coming. So, the um, it, it was a really it was a great multiplayer game for a solo game as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it, I, I remember uh, multiple episodes from it really well, and I remember the uh, I remember the final I still have very good memories of the final battle in Cydonia, uh, which we both kind of my friend and I tag teamed my friend Jeff, uh, it was uh, it was really. Um, I mean, it was that memorable that now, what is it, 17 years later, I still uh, um, I still can, can see the screens. Uh, I can still remember discussions we had about it while we were playing, like what the strategy was. And so it, it's, uh, I, I think it definitely deserves a, uh, a Three Moves Ahead podcast. Can you, can so, you still remember the screams as your, as your uh, troops were turned into zombies? Uh, I can still remember. A sc- so I remember the screens with an N. <laughs> the screams with an M uh, is a different story. I, but I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff. I don't want to do want to monopolize. I'm going on a little monologue here, but uh, there's a lot of stuff that I can talk about about the zombies and various other things. Uh, so. To our for our listeners who first aren't familiar with XCOM, we've of course started with how did you get to know it? How would you even describe it? Uh, what is the the elevator pitch for XCOM? If you're going to be walking to a developer today, it's it's a really hard one to describe because it's it's at least two games in one. It's got it's got the uh, the tactical or sorry the uh, the overarching strategic map, which is a globe um, where the where the aliens are invading Earth and and landing all over the planet and, and terrorizing people. And uh, I guess it's implied that they're stealing livestock, but. Um, and and then you have to build bases and shoot them down. All that happens in real time. You control the passage of time, so um, you know things can go at five seconds per second or a day per second, depending on what you're. You know, you can slow it down to micromanage everything. And then uh, when you shoot down an alien UFO or or uh, intercept it, you go into the tactical view, where you command a a squad of up to I guess it goes up to like twenty twenty four troops. You start out with I guess. Uh, uh, craft that fits 14 but it goes up to an absurd number and uh you hunt down alien uh alien invaders turn by turn in squad-based tactical combat squad-based tactical combat it's a uh, xcom's one of those very 
peculiar blends of genres. You don't see a lot. I mean, you look at games today that have tactical combat at a strategic level. Um, they don't have that RPG element, really, that you see in um, XCOM, which I always thought was interesting. How you, the character, how these weren't just soldiers. They were actually characters. They were people. They weren't like in Rome Total War, where they're just anonymous drone centurions, except for your general. This, you know, this sergeant could actually be very, very important to you later on. Right. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't just gain stars and gain stars. He gets more experience. You have to decide. You know, sometimes later on, he goes crazy. Do you, do you put him down or do you put him down? <laughs> yeah, but that, but that, but that's really interesting, isn't it? Because yeah, ultimately they don't have more value, right? I mean, they're they're better. They have more marksmanship or whatever. But right. the value to you is the value that they have in the game based on solely based on your experience, right? Because there's yeah. no game. There's no game mechanism for the fact right. that he shot like six guys single-handedly the last time, like the the aliens were terrorizing, you know, Phoenix or whatever. Yeah, he he, he doesn't level. He gets better at his skills, but doesn't right. level up. He doesn't level up, but 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 like even more importantly, right? The the whole the narrative is something that you completely make up your not make up yourself, but but it's it has a value to you only, right? right. You watch that guy shoot all these people. Like if if, if you uh, if you're like my friend, for example, who let's say he went out to get beer, and uh, he was gone for like 45 minutes, and I had this amazing, uh, you know, scenario where you know all my guys got you know got controlled, and then one uh, one guy happened to end up shooting all the all the aliens. I mean, it, it, he'd missed the whole thing, and and so if he played the next scenario. None of that would matter to him. It would have no value to him. But it had right, that, all that value to me, right? Right. That, none of none of the characters in Axon. There are no characters. They're, they're exactly, just, but they are characters. I mean, that's the whole point. That's what I'm trying. Right, that's they, the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, and you made it very well. But uh, they, they like to, to me the the way I give them a lot more value is I, I rename all of my troops. You know, I, oh, I, I think it's, everybody it's, does. I think if yeah, you don't, kind of then you do. have a mental illness. Yeah, you're doing it wrong. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, na- you name it after people you know. People, you, I try <laughs> to name them after people I don't like because then I, I tend to try and get them killed. Um, you know, it's just not good for, for you know trying to win the game. But you know, I name them after after my friends, after my coworkers, and you know send them into battle. And even even though you know when one of them gets killed, I just you know recruit a new soldier and, and rename him that that guy. Um, it's still you know if they, that guy gets killed off. It's like no, you killed Troy. You know, it's it's yeah. it just it it adds so much to the game. Well, that's that's something really important. I think is you know one of the things I did not expect was this game forces you to expect to um, accept the expendability of your men. Um, right. It drills that in you very early. It's there's none of this um, games in this genre. They they sort of run the risk of you sort of fetishizing your soldiers and keeping them alive. Like again, Jagged Alliance Two is the game I always go to, where if one of these guys goes down. I can't. I can't let you know. I, I can't let these guys go down. He's, look! Look how leveled he is. Look how good he is. I need to reload and keep him alive. XCOM, you know, these men and women are there to die. <laughs> um, and you know, if you if you try to get through everyone through every mission without taking casualties, you will lose your mind. You will never finish the game. So you, you know, you you create these characters, but what's great is these characters are always at at risk of being snuffed out at any given moment. Um, and that's just, you know, to me, that just makes it so much more exciting. Like everything about XCOM is, it almost seems like the kid gloves are off. You're playing for real from the first mission 
you know, well, I haven't gotten to the end, but it is it is very high risk gameplay, high stakes, especially when I mean, your characters don't level up, but they do develop. And a, a green soldier is practically worthless next to somebody who's who's you know been, been with you for for a dozen or two dozen missions. Right. Um, There's the the accuracy, the the time you know, it's the ability to carry more equipment without getting tired. Um, you know, using heavy weapons, uh, it, it does make a big difference. And losing one of those guys is a huge loss, um, which is why the the chrysalids, the guys that that uh, just come up to you, you know, if they if they touch your your soldier, he's dead, no matter what armor he's wearing. Uh, those guys are just so fear-inspiring. It drives me nuts. I mean, the, the green troops are worthless, but I mean, you gotta nurse them along. I mean, you can't not you can't have them just as cannon fodder because eventually you'll just have you know by the time you get to the end, if you just to use them entirely as cannon fodder and don't nurse them along and train them like you would a real rookie soldier. And by the time you get to the end, you still have all these green troops who aren't quite good enough. Well, I think that's or just... they have super equipment, which I think is just a great way. Of you know showing how you know the military how you know combat squads are built. Yeah, and I, I think it sort of underlines that sort of narrative that you create in your head. Like after a mission, I'm filling in the gaps um, in my squad because I lost troopers, but other guys are leveled up. And in my head, I'm sort of thinking it like I'm, I'm balancing the squad between rookies and basically my non-coms, right? And these guys are going to shepherd these greenies through the through their next missions, and whoever lives is going to help you know shepherd the next generation through, right? And and by by shepherd you mean that they are the the front lines that, that goes out and and scouts and spots the aliens and maybe they get shot but at least they've spotted the alien for the guy who's the experienced guy to pick off with a sniper rifle. Yeah, exactly. It's, you take point. I'll shoot it. What kills you? Yeah, it's it's trial trial by fire. If they survive, then they then they graduate. But I mean, there's a whole strategy to that, right? I mean, because when you get to Sidonia, you have to have. I mean, if you were to get to Sidonia with a whole bunch of green troops, I'm not even sure that's possible. But oh, you'd you'd be annihilated just yeah, I mean, by, you'd be, by the side attacks and in, in, in instantly. Right. So, so I guess the point is that that's all part of the gameplay. Is that yeah. uh, you know the, the 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 balance of troops that you make uh, is dictated by the game because you're not going to be able to finish the game unless you have a certain balance. Um, I mean, I think it would be really hard to have. Um, I guess it's a fundamental design sort of uh, decision that you don't have characters with backstories, because uh, you know maybe that makes you more attached to them. I mean, I, I know that I became attached to troops, but uh, just the, the the there is a certain anonymity to those to those characters that you know you you fly out there and. Uh, uh, there's the whole. I, th- that's another thing. The atmosphere in this game was really amazing. Um, oh, yeah. The 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 sort of touchdown of your of your whatever transport craft and all your guys. You just see them all sitting in in like the two rows, mm-hmm. as I recall it. And yep. uh, you know, then the the door would come down and you'd walk out and everything'd be dark. And you know, you'd come down and you'd expose. You know, you, you you'd light up some terrain, right? And uh, then some other guys would come out, and all of a sudden, sh- boom! You know, something would shoot you, or you know, shoot past you, and you're like, "Oh, there they are! There's you know, somewhere out there." And you try to like figure out how to get, uh, you know, kind of expose the enemy, and and it was it was very tense, and uh, uh, in a way that I don't really remember other games being. So. But yeah, you're you're really walking into the unknown every time you land because. It, it it really uses uh, fog of war heavily, and and Troy, you, you've got some yeah. some good thoughts on thought, on th- uh, fog of war lately that I've been reading. But um, you know, you you land in in a, in one of these environments, and it's either urban or 
or rural or uh, like desert or or arctic so you walk out into into this environment and all you see is just a little area around your your sky ranger which is the the starting landing craft sky ranger got. that's it yeah exactly yeah and i know it, it is kind of evocative of of like you know the landing at normandy when when they've got the um you know you've got the, the troops in the in the the landing craft and and the door comes down and they see the the germans you know with the, or the yeah. guns trained on them the saving because, private ryan kind of thing yeah right exactly, exactly. because w- when you when you do that you know you see you're only seeing directly ahead or you know straight out of the what your troops can see straight out of the those doors and sometimes there's an alien right there and you know the the first step you take could could uh, bring in reaction fire that can take out half your squad if if the guy throws a grenade in there you're you're just done yeah exactly yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was my exact <laughs> first mission um oh. it was just, it was just <laughs> well it was just it was this great like welcome to early '90s PC gaming moment, um, where because because I, I go into this game and it, there's like what five difficulty levels, right? Five or six. Yeah. I and I'm like, I, I play a lot of these games, so you know, I'm probably normal is, is probably fine for me. And my first mission is, um, you know, Johannesburg or something is being terrorized, so I so I go over there, and the ramp comes down, and it's exactly like Saving Private Ryan, like. You know, the first guy out of the landing craft gets one step on the ramp, and a laser blast cuts him down. And I just start <laughs> feeding him out there, and it's like the alien was like a firing squad. And so, like, four guys were dead on or around the ramp. And then I'm like, well, you know, I mean, like, I've got a couple guys out because the aliens have exhausted their reaction fire. And now it's like, well, do I stay and fight this out? Because I just lost half the squad. But if I pull out, I've lost them for nothing. So it's this, you know, when do you cut your losses? Um, in that case, I, I stayed and fought and then I realized I should probably restart on a lower difficulty level. Um, <laughs> but you, you got, you got a bad break there. Cause that, that's not the typical start, but it is, it is a possible start and it's, it is a, a terrifying way to, to be introduced to the game. What made it so tense, I think something you really couldn't get away with today, I think is, uh, the action point turn-based system because Today, everything's got to be real-time, and that's fine. Technology supports it. Right. But you have this squad of you know, 14 people, and you're sending them out, and there's always that tension. Do I send them one more square out? Do I kneel here? Do right. I stop? What do I set up for? Because you're planning, because you don't know what's coming next. In real-time, you really can't do that. It's not set up like turns or action points. So there's this constant tension with every move over what you do. And when you set your guy in stone, as I recall, you can't undo once you have someone stopped. Right. Nope. You can't pick them up again and say, "Oh, wait a minute! Now I see not the guys." You can't go back there, okay. so you can find you. So you have the squad, but in many ways they're disjointed, okay. uh, which is some makes some really some really tense moments. And I really don't think you get away with that uh, today, at least not in the same level. Uh, maybe on XBLA, uh, but certainly in a AAA title to have the tension built up, not what? just through music and darkness, What's- but also through you know every step counts. What does Los Angeles have to do? What? X. What? Xbox tech? Live Arcade. Oh. <laughs> Xbox Live. Bruce is a PS3, we, we, but not an Xbox. We actually imported Bruce from 1994 <laughs> for the show. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's. So I want to talk about uh, how the strategic level ties in here because a tactical level is you know where all a lot of the great fun adventure is, but there's really this. Gr- strategic layer on top that plugs into the tactical level uh dan or rob you want to take into how actually let's go to rob how did you find that felt um 
Well, I mean, that's where the interface drove me the craziest. Um, just because it, it, it really makes it hard to just... I'm, I'm used to just sort of being able to flow through the game and, you know, really quickly give my orders and, you know, set up. And this, especially because it's real time, the kludginess of the interface sometimes drives me a little bit crazy. Um, but, you know, setting that aside, I, I think one thing I really liked is... The only way to put it is I really enjoyed the bling in this game. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed like setting up new bases and thinking about like how they're going to be laid out, um, what areas I was going to cover, you know, where, you know, and doing all this in the context of, well, who's paying me the most? You know, what I mean, like these these nations are paying you their your protection money basically. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I want this person to be happy, which means this person they aren't paying in very much, so they're going to be upset when I let aliens eat them, but I don't really care. Because I they forgot about that whole thing. That's really that's really fa- I, I totally forgot about that whole aspect of the game. That's really, oh yeah. Can, it, it, let's describe that a little bit more because it remind me. I, I don't remember the whole. Um, I mean, I do remember it now, but it was you sort of had to be. Uh, it was like faction. You had to get faction with various people, right? Well, it was you were a multinational force, right? And you you had a budget, but it was broken down as to who was contributing. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't do a good job of protecting your contributors, um, paradoxically, they would end up cutting your funding. That's not really paradoxical. I mean, that's uh, kind of well, right. But then they'll be even. But then they'll be even less protected, right? So I mean, it's like, oh, you're not protecting us from aliens, so we're going to make it harder for you to protect anyone from aliens. Well, they're they're probably funding some rival X Files squad, right? Exactly. Yes, good point. Some rival startup. So I think think in the in the fiction, anyway, it was supposed to be the aliens had infiltrated their government and had cut your funding. Is there fiction? There's X. Uh, there's XCOM fiction. Well, XCOM backstory based, based on like the UFO PDF. <laughs> oh, okay. I see. Now you're not talking about fan, like, about, like slash fic. <laughs> <laughs> all, all my little soldiers were getting it on in there. Yeah. <laughs> Send your XCOM slash fic to Bruce Dot <laughs> Garrick at. Perfect. So, <clears throat> so but the, the whole, I mean, every, yeah, you're right. I mean, everybody talks about the, you know, the tactical level because that that's what gives any game character, right? But the the strategic level is what gives it atmosphere. And I thought the game had a lot of atmosphere uh, where you would see. I'm I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't have time to prepare my notes for this podcast, so I'm a little uh, I'm I'm using my very poor memory here. But I remember that there would be like there would be UFOs would kind of fly across. Mm-hmm. And you would sort of have, you, wouldn't you have to intercept them or something like that? Yeah, you have to, you have to send out an interceptor to shoot them down, and then la- right. and send the landing craft to uh, to take out the survivor. yeah they, your Sky Ranger, yes, as, as yes. Rob had mentioned. So so you you fly across, and then there's this whole thing. But I mean, it was it was always very, um, I guess, just the whole. I, I don't think the uh, you, you mentioned the faction thing tied the whole thing together, right? Like where the guys are landing and who that's going to affect. Does, right, like Europe. Right. If you right. land I mean, in Europe, you have, to, you have to decide whether you're going to intercept them in Europe or not. Well, the, and the, you sometimes the, you sometimes have rival invasions, as I recall. You have more than one, and you'd have to target. Right, 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 right. So you have to choose. So. Yeah, so that kind of sets everything. I mean, that kind of makes everything. Um, uh, I mean, that that gives it sort of a context, but um, but I think that that uh, you know the 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 global. The, the global setting gave it an atmosphere, but then the tactical level also gave it uh, gave it an atmosphere in the sense that you would go. Wouldn't you have 
um, there would be different kinds of things, right? There were the UFOs you'd shoot down, and then there, mm-hmm. weren't there like terror raids or something like that? Yeah, there were. Yes, and, right. and those those were similar to to you know standard missions, except there was no there was no landed UFO. I guess they had just dropped off the troops, right? Uh, and there were civilians running around, and you, right. you had to protect yes. the civilians uh, in order to, to you know score points and and appease the the country that was being targeted. Right, and 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 and, and I remember that you would go and I, you had all these different heavy weapons. Don't isn't it true that you would go to this sort of pristine sort of city and you would just start blowing the hell out of it? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yep, and that, right? that's that's one of my absolute favorite parts of the game is the yeah. destructible terrain. You can yes. blow up anything. If you have if you have the right equipment, you can you can like the one thing that's like impossible to blow up until you get like the the highest power weapons are the uh-huh. alien UFO outer hulls. Uh-huh. Uh, and then th- when you get the blaster bombs, which are just like the ultimate uber cheat weapon, basically, uh, you, you can just blow a hole in the outer hull of the UFO. And it's, it's the most satisfying thing in the game, or one of the most satisfying things right. about researching technology, yeah. is getting that, that weapon that can destroy what, was, what had been in, indestructible. And a, a lot of the research, I mean, to tie them tactical and strategic stuff, the research comes from you gathering all of this alien equipment. So sometimes yeah. a mission could be going very badly, but you need to complete it. Because there's some good loot at the end. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, I, mean, I just remember that one. You know, there's there's so much of this atmosphere and so much tension in in the game where I remember, especially the the night missions where you sort of revealed things and and everything was dark and all of a sudden you, you moved a guy and you saw the corner of a UFO and you're like, oh, there's the UFO, oh, the UFO, and then you have all these guys in the completely wrong direction and you have to bring them back, and uh, it was so. You're right, Troy. That the that uh, well, but I went on a rant about this in a, in a previous podcast where I really think that uh, I think real time strategy has a serious drawback, which is that it marginalizes the contributions of the uh, the underprivileged uh, in the uh, in in the video game universe because. <laughs> I wonder where this is going. I yep. mean, you, you, there have been many rants on this podcast from Dr. Bruce Garrick. I've well, never heard him talk about of, of the underprivileged. Well, what I'm saying is that you know you always have the like little like weasel guy, and he's really not good at anything, or he's like your cheesy character. And uh, I think I talked about the in the in a previous um, uh, podcast about how in a in a real time strategy game, if you know what you know, playing Baldur's Gate two or whatever, where all everybody is you know everything's moving at the same time, you don't notice that it's your little crappy thief, you know, second level threw a dagger and got a critical hit and killed whatever monster it was because it's all happening at the same time. But if you separate all of it out into its individual action points, you know, you know, one character gets a hit, another character gets a hit, and it looks like, uh, you know, you've got a wounded guy over uh, in one direction that's taking a lot of fire, and all of a sudden, this one, you know, green trooper that you never really expected to do anything, all of a sudden gets to this unexpected hit and kills an alien right at the critical moment and saves a whole bunch of guys. And in a real-time environment, you don't really notice that because you're not paying attention to everything individually. Just you're 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 globally sort of taking in the whole situation. Uh, but when you when you reduce everything to action points. And you make every click of the mouse important, right? Am I am I going to move? Like Troy made the exact made this exact point. Do I move another square? Do I move? Another, do I shoot now? Do I kneel down? Every one of those decisions 
I think is, is much more important psychologically and in terms of game mechanics, but more psychologically because you're making that decision and every time you click the mouse, you have to suffer the consequences. So I think it's a much more of a strategy. I, I, I know that you'll nobody will ever be able to have turn-based action point style gaming again because it, it's just not marketable. Everybody thinks it's 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 old and, and only board gamers do that. So you know whatever. But um, but I think you lose a lot when when you when you uh, when you ditch that. And XCOM is a perfect example. I don't think we can say we'll, we'll never have it again. I mean, there, there are uh, there's at least one or a couple of indie projects that are that are um, that are working on you know XCOM homages. No, I understand uh, that. I understand. I understand indie. I understand indie. But I'm talking about like real games where like a, a whole like a whole a whole generation of people understand and 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 come to you know it's like a common language with this game, right? I mean, Call of Duty, all these games that I mispronounced last time. <laughs> But, uh, you know, you're never going to have that kind of widespread game because action points are not, it's just not something that people are going to accept anymore. That's true. And, and it never was the most accessible of, of games. I mean, true. It, it's, true. it takes, it takes some right. real dedication to get into XCOM. You're correct. So why does it have so? I mean, it took a lot of dedication, but then, then again, this is a, de- a generation of PC gamers, which was, first of all, smaller in general. Than what yeah, we have it's much today. smaller. Exactly. And inter- inter- all interfaces sucked. <laughs> uh, yeah. So well, many of them. And uh, you just d- dealt d- with d- it. You d- dealt with it. Documentation, in-game documentation was terrible, but the manuals were generally better. Manuals were great. And I think they also scaled the difficulty better. The games were longer, and I think they scaled you up nicely. Um, you know, Rob's experience getting, you know, machine gunned down from an alien pillbox, notwithstanding, in his first mission. Uh, in general, I think they they scaled a better. They taught you there was a this whole pyramid of pyramid of flow, this pyramid of design where you start with small decisions and then build your way up. And I think XCOM did that quite well. But yeah, it wasn't the most accessible game. But you look at the other great games from the early '90s, um, most of them were pretty forbidding. Yeah, well, very true. I, well, I think all computer gaming is very forbidding. I mean, imperialism. Imperialism too. I mean, I mean, these are games that yeah. that you really have to be a certain type of person to play. A nerd. Oh, uh, whatever. Fine. Okay. Fine. You win. There's nothing wrong with being a nerd. I'm no. a nerd. I understand this, but uh, right. but but the point is that you know this is a whole kind of gaming. The significance of XCOM as a game is really most important in the in the in the context of the people who played it, right? I mean, the nerds. What what were nerds looking for? They were looking for this kind of expansive uh, atmosphere that they could they could um, uh, that would give context to the little tactical battles. Because I mean, I'm sure that most people who played XCOM had played some kind of Weasley, you know, here's my cleric, here's my fighter kind <laughs> of you know game. No matter what, right? I mean, whether it's you know fantasy, whatever what it's called, the um, Fantasy Trip, where the, the right, remember those old meta game? Ah, I'm getting we're getting way too off topic, but I mean the, anyway. The point is, point is, all those people had a common language, which was, I have a character, he has equipment, he fights things, and those were all great things in the context of you know individual encounters, but to have this large scale 
you know, world where that's being invaded, different factions that give um, that make it important to decide which UFOs you shoot down. It's not just like, oh, well, because that's the part of the brilliance of the game, right? I mean, you could just have a UFO shooting coming up and you would just shoot them down. That's how games would probably do it today because uh, it would just be a trigger for another encounter. But here you have to, have to decide where the, where the UFOs are coming down, which one you're going to shoot down. I think games today would do it like the Total War series. They'd have the strategy part turn-based instead of real-time. And they'd have the action game in real-time instead of turn-based. That's probably true. It is, it is an inversion of uh, the Total War formula. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Very good observation. But, uh, but like you were saying, Troy, I mean, you made the observation that, that uh, the, games, the, the game integrated... There were, there were so many different considerations in terms of the tactical battle. You had to get this tech... That you then had to research. You had to get money from people, which determined where you would shoot down UFOs and who you wanted to, uh, whose favor you wanted to cultivate, so that you could maximize your cash flow. So you could ultimately, for everybody's benefit, you could destroy these aliens. I mean, it was the ultimate communist game. But um, <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this is the ultimate communist game, yeah, as far as well, I'm concerned. Well, now we have an answer to that question. Yeah. So, but uh, and then you know, then you go to Mars. Oh, that's yeah. a spoiler. <laughs> I, I think the uh, spoiler. I think the date. It's past the uh, date of expiration. Oh, trust me. There's going to be somebody complaining. Yeah, I guarantee. I, did, I didn't is. know there were going to be aliens, dude. I was going <laughs> to buy this game because this podcast. But you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Dan, why don't you tell us something about one of these indie projects that you've been playing? Uh, an indie attempt. Because I want to go to start with that, and then talk about other attempts that have tied and failed from the Gallup brothers and on, but something you've been playing that you're thinking you're enjoying quite a bit. All right. So I, like when I sat down to, to, you know, get get back into XCOM for this, this, uh, this research, you know, research for this podcast. Um, I was, I was going to play with, with like the steam version of XCOM, which is actually it. That that's the UFO enemy unknown, uh, uh, Version. It's the the British version, which I mm. which I guess is the the original version. Yes, it was it made is. in the UK. Yep. Yep. But and have you guys seen the box art? Sorry to, to get on, off on a tangent here, but have you seen the box no. art for Not UFO Enemy Unknown? No. no. Oh, it, it's hilarious. I'll have to have to send this around. But it's it's got nothing at all to do with the game. Um, let's just, there, there there will be a link to hilarious box art at the bottom yeah. of the podcast. Yeah, I, I encourage you guys to check that out because it's it's this giant alien with with spaceships for arms. And nothing like that appears in the game. Huh. Uh, where, where was I going with spoiler, this? Spoiler, spoiler. Okay. <laughs> um, so I started playing that, and it was, it was, you know, it was just ex- exactly as I remember it. But you know, I, I, it drives me nuts to play at, at super low resolution. I mean, that that is the biggest barrier to to entry for this game, or even re-entry, going back from playing, mm-hmm. you know, any modern graphics on at, at any resolution higher than what, like, three twenty by two forty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's super low resolution. Yeah. So I, I look around. I look around like every year or so to, to look for any new XCOM projects, and uh, this one is called uh, the Two Sides or UFO the Two Sides, um, and it's it's not actually like a mod or anything of, of the game. It's it's a very faithful remake that actually imports the graphics and sounds from XCOM into this new engine. Um, so it looks exactly like XCOM at higher resolution. Um, and it, it it does redo some of it, like the the geoscape is uh, you know the globe version is um, is uh, just a, a new new model of the Earth, but everything is pretty much as loyal as it can possibly be. Um, they do make some some actually very intelligent changes um, to a lot of 
subtle things. Like like in the in the original game, when you start out, you you can only research uh, until you capture some alien technology. You can research two things. You can research uh, or three things. You can research uh, lasers, motion detectors, and medikits. And like this this game is like, well, why do you have to re- why do you have to research a medikit? It's like, do do you not have you know, medicine in this world in, in the year 2020. So it starts you out with, with medicates already researched. Um, and it's little tweaks like that. And also one, one that, uh, it's more realistic is what you're saying. Yeah. One, one that, that Rob will appreciate the sky ranger has a second exit. So oh, thank God. Yeah. So it's like, it's like in the front of the, the ship, there's a, there's an exit. So if you take a step out and just get, you know, the first guy takes a the plasma bolt to the face. You can walk out from the other exit, and hopefully, not that one is not covered as well, so you can get another angle on it. And that right there makes a huge difference. And there, there are a bunch of tweaks like that. They also add a sniper rifle for one, for one thing, and a new damage model where um, where the damage you take is proportional to the distance um, that that the, you know. The, so there's a, a, degre- a degradation in damage over distance for most for weapons. For beam weapons only, I hope. Uh, for uh, for energy weapons, I think I think it is uh, like the sniper rifle uh, is actually more damaging over longer distance. So there's there's a bunch of different stuff like that, um, and just but just being able to play this game in higher resolution is fantastic. Um, you know, all, all the graphics are still you know everything looks smaller, but I get a much bigger view of it. Um, so is this, has this been released, or is this? I mean, what is this in in what's what's the status of this project? It's a it's a beta, um, and it is like they've they've got the um, the kind of a progress report on it here, and it looks like it looks like it's about you know seventy five percent done. Like they say, they've got the terror missions one hundred percent, advanced technologies and manufacturers one hundred percent. You know, but so it goes it goes down the list. Like the UFOpedia is only ten percent. Um, oh, and I I, I should uh, fill in one of the major features of this is uh, multiplayer. You can play an entire campaign with one guy playing the aliens and one one guy playing the the uh, humans. Well, how does how does the alien play? Um, you know, I haven't really gotten into it very much because um, there is no human AI right now, so you can't play a single player game as the aliens. Um, and there's like a whole forum thread on how it's different. I, I jumped in there and like tried to figure it out on my own and it just didn't work. So okay. um, it's 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 kind of sort of different. That feature will be oh. dropped, or the game will never be finished. Right, um, and <laughs> it's um, it, it is it is a pretty daunting task to to actually go through and play an entire XCOM campaign with somebody else. I mean, that's that's a real time investment. So I, I I hope that at some point they they add in the ability to just play a tactical battle or two, um, and you know just just load up with with whatever equipment you want. But uh, but I did a blog post a while back on PCGamer.com about. Um, a, a short match that I did play with uh, with Evan Lottie, uh, where it was like his first experience with XCOM, so it wasn't fair at all, um, and I just massacred him. But well, Evan's like twenty four or something, right? Uh, give or take, yeah. <laughs> Another young man. Uh, so uh, there have been other attempts to capture some of the XCOM magic, especially the tactical battle stuff. What I'm about of... what about the sequel to the freaking game? Oh, the sequels. <laughs> well, the deep. Yeah, let's, well, let's talk about, about Terror from the Deep first. Okay, let's talk about Terror from the Deep, Bruce. I didn't play Terror from the Deep. Oh, I played it. I finished the whole game. Yeah, me too. Yep. Okay, so tell me about Terror. From... I didn't like the idea of Terror from the Deep, but what, you don't like underwater. <laughs> underwater. I can't swim, dude. You Canadians, you Can- Canadians have to swim because of Nova Scotia. They have to swim in snow. Yes. You can drive to Nova Scotia, dude. Oh, okay, well, how about the <laughs> over how the about ice flows? 
Yes, yep. the Maritimes, the New Brunswick. That's where I'm from. I've okay. driven there. Anyway, okay. so so just imagine, imagine XCOM except reskinned with uh, like Steve <laughs> <A> blue <Zuzo>. filter. <laughs> uh, that, that's yeah. literally what it was. I mean, that's right. literally the game, right? Yeah, it's it's it was it made me sad because they didn't change anything. They they just changed the look, and there, there were a few UI tweaks that did help. Um, just, just like being able to uh, right click, like move up to a door and right click on the other side of it to open it, like that alone was a huge in- improvement that I just wish they had patched into the first one. Um, Are you saying that in the early '90s, in the glory days of video game publishing, people would rush out a sequel just to make money? <laughs> Who would have thought? God. You know, to be perfectly honest with you, I was, I was pretty much satisfied with Terror from the Deep in the sense that. I had just gotten done playing this amazing game called XCOM, and I just wanted more XCOM. Right. And that was fine with me, to be perfectly honest. The thing that I could not stand is, oh my god, those maps were huge. It was so painful, because you would end up having, like, one alien, and he would be, you know, in some algae farm some like in some corner of the map and you just would run around with all your guys and you would move them and they would not be able to find anybody and the, the mission wouldn't end it would take hours it was so painful like that that's that's what killed the game for me oh yeah i mean that already happens a little in the original XCOM. oh yeah i mean especially base uh you know killing alien bases that's uh, I mean, the, the the bug hunt is the bane of XCOM. it's it is the number one thing i would change about that game uh be, because just because uh you you have to kill every alien in a map in order to win. I mean, you, you can right. you can retreat if you want, but you don't get the you don't get the win. So you have to hunt through an entire map, and there could be an alien literally standing in a closet somewhere, like right. a one one yes. square little closet yep. somewhere, and you have to search the entire map to find right. him. And yeah. some of those maps, as you said, were huge. And in yeah. Terror from the Deep, one of the few things that they did do to change it was to make things bigger and yes. multi-layered, like the the terror missions. Oh. Like they would attack a cruise ship, so you'd have yes, to clear the off the deck of the ship. Yes, cruise ships. The cruise ships. Yeah. Holy so you'd, cow, yeah. you'd have to clear off the deck of the ship, and then you go into the next level of the terror mission, where you have to clear off the the bottom layer of the ship. And it did it did increase the challenge because you couldn't uh, you couldn't restock, you couldn't you know get more ammo, you couldn't get more you know, more troops or re, you know reinforcements uh, between those. So that that was a challenge, but good God, it was a terrible idea. Well, they had bathrooms, and there were like tiny bathrooms, and you'd have yep. to still like search every bathroom because there could be an alien in the bathroom, and you would have every, every, everybody poops, including ET. <laughs> oh, it was so it was that was so. I mean, that's that's what killed the game. And I did, as I recall, uh, my friend Jeff and I did finish Tear from the Deep the way we finished XCOM, but it was it was not really the same. I mean, I guess it was in a sense, but at some point, it just. It was just so awful to try to get finish those maps. They were so big and they were so monotonous. And I, I mean, yeah, underwater is great, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, the, to me, one of the joys of, of XCOM is, I mean, it it is by nature very repetitive because you're just doing the same thing over and over again. You're shooting down at UFOs. You're you're going in there. You're landing. You're disembarking your troops. You're spreading out and and you know then converging on the aliens. Um, and the things that kept that interesting. Uh, over and over again is the introduction of new technologies. You know, as, yeah. as you're researching, right. mm-hmm. you're, you're and and new aliens. So, you know, you go through XCOM, UFO defense, mm-hmm. and you you get all the technology there, and then you want more XCOM. 
But for me, more XCOM was not the same thing all over again with you know bigger levels. For me, more XCOM would be new technologies and new right. new aliens. And Terra from the Deep did a bad job of supplying that because all all the technologies or virtually every technology in Terra from yeah. the Deep was just a renamed, reskinned version of every technology in UFO defense. And the you same with correct. the aliens. I mean, that the, the I guess there were a couple of exceptions there where like the Tentaclat. Um, or however you pronounce it, you, it's very difficult to pronounce that without saying something that sounds very dirty. <laughs> but oh, you're um, way beyond me. I can't. Rem- I can't remember any of those names. Yeah, it, w- it was basically a version of the, the chrysalid, which was the the zombifying, yeah. evil, really terrifying alien. Except it could, it, when it was underwater, it could you know fly. Um, right. So it could come from above as well. So you could walk into a room and think it's clear, and then it drops down on you and and zombifies you and. Damn those things, um, but yeah, that that game you know was definitely harder. But, but there's Apocalypse after that, right? Which yeah. is the third you, one. Uh, Apocalypse was a real time game. Actually, Apocalypse and the the, and the, 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 the Gollop Brothers did Apocalypse, but not Terror from the Deep, if I'm correct, right? Uh, I thought they did Terror from the Deep. I'm not sure about that. Uh, wow, this is this is actual facts that I don't know the answer. And look this up. <laughs> But anyway, so Apocalypse was real time. That I do remember. Well, it was it was both. You could play it in either real time right. or turn based. Yeah. But I well, the thing about Apocalypse for me, or one of the things, was <sighs> at the time it came out, it was such a system hog that it yeah. ran intolerably slow, even in even in turn based. Um, and I just I couldn't play it very well at all. And it and it was so different from XCOM and, and Terra from the Deep that I it it, it kind of lost me. So what oh, you're crap. saying is that. Terror from the Deep was so similar that it sucked, but Apocalypse was so was so different that it sucked. So no, okay, so Terror ter- from the Deep, Terror from the Deep was similar enough to XCOM that it did not suck, but the changes that they made were a detriment. Whereas uh, X, uh, Apocalypse rather was was so different that it wasn't enough of what I wanted. Uh, back to Wikipedia, which says that the. Uh, Terror from the Deep was an internal team, uh, and the Gollops went to do Apocalypse. Yeah. Okay, third in this interesting. Series. Okay, yeah. Well, Apocalypse. I, I remember having uh, Apocalypse was some kind of different. They had some faction thing going on. I really don't remember this very well. I never. I remember. I think for the same reason that Dan was mentioning that uh, the game didn't. The game was a system hog. It didn't run well on the computer that I had, and I think. Uh, I think it was still resistant enough to. Um, to real time strategy at that time that I uh, that I kind of whereas now you've embraced RTS. Oh as yeah, yeah no, I'm an expert now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Star, Starcraft two. Um, I, I loved RTSs, but it, it just wasn't. It, it it was something in between an RTS and and XCOM, and it it just didn't grab. I, I, part of it was the the performance, and the performance absolutely killed it for me. I mean, do we have any microproses out there today? What does that I mean, mean? What do you mean? I mean Micropro has published XCOM, like a billion other great games, mm-hmm. in like a five-year span. Right. With just, you know, brain-busting amazing titles from like, in, like the mid-80s into the mid-90s. I'm trying to think if we even have anything even close to that today. Maybe Valve? But they're, but their dev time is so long. Yeah, all dev time is longer. They don't deal in volume. But that's not I me. Mean, but but hold on. I mean, come on. I mean, let's not have let's not have this argument because it's, okay. Let's not have this well, argument. No, let's okay. have it now. Okay, well, here we okay. go. So I mean, the point <laughs> is that 
I mean, if you're going to have you know, complain about people's dev time, I mean, the, the 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 type of games, the investment involved is so much higher these days to get the the level of presentation yeah. that people expect. I mean, you, yeah, you know, come on. it is so absolutely. So okay. I mean, you could you could uh, yeah. So I mean, it's 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 a completely different. It's a completely different. Uh, it's a different era. It's a different well, standards, but still. But what I, what I think is kind of missing is one of the reasons that dev time is so long is because, you know. Major publishers are putting so much effort into a few blockbuster uh, genres and titles that, by their very nature, require a massive team to devote massive resources to creating. And I think what's kind of missing is, I guess, you know, to borrow an analogy from, you know, book publishing or something, is mid-list type games. And I think that's what XCOM definitely was, is, you know, sort of this, you know, it's, it's going to get a respectable audience, and a game of that sort isn't ever going to be on the cutting edge, per se. Um, but I, mean, I, don't, some... I don't think that game... Oh, sorry, keep talking. I interrupted you. No, I was, just, I was just going to say, I mean, I think if, if somebody today wanted to make you know, a game in, in that vein, you know, similar perspective, um, turn-based, you know, I, I think that could be done... That could be done really well for, for a very small fraction of the resources it takes to make a valve level production. But that's not the point. The point is that in that time, I mean, it, there was not really a big difference in the in the resources it took to make an action game versus a strategy game because they they both they both required relatively the same thing, right? And they were made towards a small audience. I mean, the the expectation you could make, yes, you could make it, it wasn't mid-list because uh because uh, of the genre, it was midless. Because only idiots played computer games. People who like failed out of college and wasted all their time and 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 uh, became you know, investment bankers in Chicago. Whatever, <laughs> dude. Here's, my, here's right. I mean, but only nerds play computer games. I mean, that's, yes, that's I know. People, right? I mean, you right. if you said, yeah. "Oh, I'm going to go home and play a computer game," people like you're a complete weirdo. So, I mean. It's a completely different market, and people have different expectations. And it was it was midlist because in the very small universe of people who really played computer games, that was. I mean, once upon. I mean, every, every, everything was midlist. Yes, is what it comes yeah, down to. Exactly. But I mean, but I mean, but this is. I mean, Rob's making an argument that Soren Johnson's made, and I think there's something to it that you know publishers are spending a lot of money and investment on just chasing chasing the, the dragon sort of thing of this huge. Big blockbusters, which are very expensive, so budgets are out of control. Major publishers are, but there, major, were, there right. were no major publishers back in that well, back in those times. There were there were no anyway, large this public build, build. listed companies that made computer games. Electronic Arts. Yeah. Well, exactly. That's my point. But now you've got you know I mean you could name like ten of them, fifteen, twenty of them. I mean it, it's the point is that 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 market didn't exist when this game was made. The market for hey. Here's a computer game I'm going to advertise on television because the market, the potential market is big enough for that. That game, that market, that company, none of that existed. I want to see Kobe Bryant playing XCOM. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a pointless discussion to have. All right. We'll have it later when you're not around. Um, the Gollop brothers have uh, tried to follow this up a bit. We've seen Laser Squad Nemesis, but didn't Love have a strategic game. level. Did at a strategic level, uh, but there was still something about it. And you, I played some Laser Squad Nemesis, and I could never really fall in love with it. I'm not quite sure why uh, it didn't grab me the same way. L- LSN, uh, actually, that, that was the, the game I, I sent in as my sample review that got me my job at PC Gamer. 
Really? So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, I, I was really into that game at the time. Um, but just it was it was similar to, to well, not really similar to XCOM because it, it was it was not it was not I go you go turn based. It was simultaneous turn based, right. yep. where you plot out your orders and and uh, they interact at the same time. Like so there was synapse. there was a lot of sorry, like frozen synapse. Frozen yeah, Synapse. Exactly. Yeah. Frozen, Frozen Synapse I'm, I'm very much looking forward to because it is kind of a second coming of LSN in my mind. Um, but and Only so much harder. Yeah, and hopefully without the subscription fee, um, which which was galling for me at the time because it was, LSN was the simple little game, but it required a subscription because they, because yes. Julian Gallup, who was, who was running the company, he was, he was running the servers where you sent, both sides sent their turns in and it would mm. be processed on the server and then sent back out. And it was played by email. Um, so that, I guess that was, that generated an expense for him that he had to maintain with the, with the subscription, but at the same time, the subscription kept down, you know, the people who were willing to jump in. Yeah. But that community, uh, to some extent, I think it's still running. Really? Yeah. Those servers were dead. Are they? I mean, I, I went back there like a couple of months ago just to, just to check in and there were still people posting on the message boards. But were they playing games? Uh, I'm that's surprised a if they were the fan servers. Right. Okay, yeah. Because my I remember a long time. I think it was even when I was still writing for Games Domain, which which is basically like 1943. Uh, <laughs> Games Domain was the first website, first game website I read seriously. It was Games Domain. Yeah. Well, at, when I was writing for them, I think at that point, uh, at, at some point, then the the servers closed, or maybe that's when I originally reviewed the game. But yeah, I I, I can't. I don't think those servers, the company actually still was running those servers at that time. I mean, how many people are going to get to pay a monthly subscription fee for a turn-based strategy game with bad graphics? Me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But would you do that now, Dan? Um, well, I mean, I, 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 would, mm-hmm. I would expect it to, to, uh, to not have the subscription fee. It's really, I mean, again, that's, that's what, what really killed it, I think, is just yeah. the, that barrier to entry, because it, it doesn't look like much, but it it is, right. it is a fantastic game when you get into it. The website is still up, lasersquadnemesis dot com. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. There we go. Uh, so XCOM, where does it stand in our list of you know, greatest games of all time? I submitted a list uh, for a PC gamer article. And XCOM did make my top ten. Where would it be for you, Bruce? Oh, I mean, it would be up there. I mean, Seven Cities of Gold, um, Combat. Oh, I can't believe I left that off my list. Anyway, Combat Mission, Mule. Uh, heck yeah, XCOM is definitely in the top ten. I'm trying to decide whether it be in the top five. Are any of them after 1950? <laughs> uh, yes, the one that had uh, uh, the Day the Earth Stood Still game. Yes. Dan, is that on your list? It's number one on my list. Excellent. Oh, now, it, Rob? It is, it is my all-time favorite game. Yeah, I think you make a very strong case. Uh, Tom, who I desperately wanted to be on the show tonight, wrote a very good article about 10 years ago on why it is the best game ever made. 10 so, years okay. ago he wrote that article. Huh? Yeah. So, and Tom, Tom what, and I don't agree on much, but that's, that's one thing we do agree on. Yeah. No one agrees with Tom on much of anything. <laughs> uh, Rob, you're relatively new to the game. Does it hold up for you? Um, the couple of the interface and why the interface is a pain in the ass, and then where you think if you can see why we're why we love it. Well, I mean, God, you know the the interface. I mean, it's it's little things like the interface is always there with you, and so little aggravations. You know, eventually, I suppose they subside, but I'm still at the stage where it's like 
Um, it, it drives me crazy that a straight click can completely screw up because um, every click means something. So you go to select somebody and you just shift like one pixel over and now the person who's previ- previously selected walks into open ground. <laughs> and you're you like, know, well, maybe... Yeah, sorry. That, that that's that's one thing that the two sides fix fixes is one click, uh, you know, plots a course, and you can see where it'll go. <laughs> executes it. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm so I, I've grown so accustomed to having tooltips, to having drop down menus, to having basically everything important on the interface displayed right in front of me, and it's really weird for me to go back to. Um, an era where basically it's all buttons and they're all really cryptic buttons with these big hieroglyphics on them that, you know, like there's a man with dots coming out of him. And I assume that means something he is shooting something or maybe he is being shot. I don't know, but I, I, I will click it. And so the iconography and the way the interface is conveyed is just, is really confusing. I'm always sort of trying to remember how did I find that one menu earlier? Um, did, did you, did you read the manual going in? <laughs> No, <laughs> because people don't read manuals anymore. No, they don't, and and for for good reason. I mean, th- these days, if you have to read a manual, uh, you know, arguably the the designer did something wrong, or you know, they just they they didn't build in a good interface. But back then, it just wasn't it wasn't expected. Right. So I, I you know I, I sort of made it harder for myself by by going in and learning by trial and error. Now, the flip side of this is, you know, I, I'm weird in that I like games where you can lose and lose horribly and it's it's great to to go to a strategy game where if you're making progress it's actually you making that progress like the game isn't just oh okay here you go have some have some new weapons and you know now we're at the new stage of the game where you're going to be giving the aliens better fight but new units are going to appear um it really it really does seem like well because i kicked ass on that last mission and we carried like nine of these things out in body bags. You know, now we're going to be gearing up, and pretty soon these these pathetic little squads are going to be well-oiled killing machines. And conversely, it's really interesting to see how bad decisions the game will just corner you. Basically, your your funding is collapsing. Um, everyone's angry at you. You know, you're you're running out of the ability to combat the aliens effectively. And that's and that's something that. There's way too many games where I think failure just is, is too remote an option. You know what I mean? Too remote a yeah. possibility. And here, XCOM, you know, in the tactical missions and on the strategic level, um, you know, you're always just a few a few bad decisions or mediocre decisions away from getting annihilated. Very true. Yeah, XCOM stands out as one of the great triumphs of uh, game design and. Um, I'm kind of glad there hasn't been another one. Really? I'd like to see another one, but I know they'd screw it up, and I'd hate it. Well, we're getting another one. We're getting a well, sh- we're getting a title with the XCOM name on it. You're, you're yeah, getting you're getting serious. Xenonauts. What? Let's let's not forget <laughs> Xenonauts. What? That's, a, that's another indie project. Where this one's actually for you know for for profit, so it's 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 not a total clone. And you know, check out Xenonauts.com. They're now they're now taking uh, pre-orders. Uh, oh. To help fund the development, and I actually I threw money oh, at these guys. Oh, what a mistake! Oh. <laughs> I, I I hope it, it works out for them. But okay. um, and we're we're going to be doing a preview on in, in PC Gamer soon. But it's You're starting starting to lose you, Dan. Oh really? Hello. Okay, you... now you're back. Now you're back. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, you're saying doing a preview. Yeah, so we're we're going to be doing a preview on these guys in PC Gamer soon. But uh, you know, it's it's a indie 
you know, startup where it's a distributed team all over the world, and one one central guy has like sunk his life savings into this, and uh, you know, has hired other people to help realize his vision, and it's it's you know, it's an homage to XCOM, so it's not exactly the same. And you know, you, you this could you know bring about the scenario you're talking about here, uh, Troy, where you might you might hate it, but everything I've seen so far it looks very promising. Um, so check out Xenonauts. It could it could be a second coming, or it could be not so great. But I've I've got my fingers crossed for it. Well, well, there'll be links to Xenonauts and at two the squads of this pod and bad <laughs> box art at the bottom of the podcast. Which Bruce hates it when I say that, though he sends me more links than anybody <laughs> else on the podcast. Okay. Usually of board game stuff or things I wrote when I was twelve, yeah. and they're usually great links. Uh, well, next you know, week, actually, uh, can, can I throw in one more yeah. thing, Troy? Absolutely. I just one, one thing that XCOM is is kind of a failure at is game balance. Uh, oh, okay. Because the the end of that of XCOM or the the last quarter or third of the game is an absolute just mess of game balance. There's there's things like there, well, there's things like you, you no longer care about uh, about funding from from in the nations of the world because you can manufacture laser rifles right. and sell them for for a massive profit. Uh, you when sci- when uh, psychic control is introduced and you research that and train your squads in in uh, psychic powers and get all their psy amps, they're absolutely unstoppable. The aliens have no chance. Um, right. So I know, I mean, but, that, that sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Here, but here's the here's the reason. It's for fun that. the first time. And you know mm-hmm. why? Why is that? Because that's how it really was. <laughs> <laughs> the simulator. It is. Um, it's historically accurate. If, yeah. if you, but if you can get to the end of XCOM without screwing things up, I think you deserve to be overpowered. You, you, it's so easy to you know get midway through and then find out you've taken the wrong research path, or your squad's poorly trained, or the Russians hate you now. Um, the, the, the reason that I have I I, I love this game is my favorite game of all time. I have played the the end battles uh, relatively few times, and the reason for it is because the ending is so unbalanced that. At, when I get to a certain point, there's no there's no point in continuing because I know, like I walk out of the I walk out of the Sky Ranger, I spot an alien, I mind control him, I use him to spot other aliens, I mind control them, and so on. I spot all of them and then bring them into one central clump and then blaster bomb them and annihilate them all without without ever risking one of them. Yeah, th- th- that's got to be a war crime. Yeah, it is. It is. It is the the world's most awesome war crime. But after a while, it gets it gets old. And I think that that one of the the greatest tragedies of in in all of PC game gaming history is that XCOM was not more moddable, because it it is moddable, but it took a lot. It takes a lot of work, and it just never really, uh, you know, turned into into something as as it, like changing the graphics is, is such a pain in the ass and, and things yeah. like that. Um, it it just never really took off. Um, and so we, we never got the refinement and variation once official support ended. Uh, we never got more of that. There we go. Well, <laughs> uh, all I can say is that that's, it was designed to reflect a historical reality that it did very well. Yes. So I wouldn't want to change it. And it uh, probably doesn't hurt to note that it and X-Files came out right around the same time. Oh, yeah. It was, it was definitely influenced by X-Files. Mm-hmm. I, and I, 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 weren't they separated by like less than a year, though? So I'm kind of thinking that they're tapping into the same zeitgeist. No, they were yeah. actually using the same original research. <laughs> Yeah, like the sectoids, the, the the first aliens you encounter are are little you know bobbly head greys. Yeah, so yeah. so there we go. Uh, it's, that's how it was. Uh, next week's show, we will have Soren Johnson on 
to talk about uh, lectures he gave a while ago and has written some on his blog on how theme and mechanics in strategy games either go together or do not go together. Dude, you got to get Reiner Kinesia to like, like debate him or something. I know, because Reiner Kinesia says he thinks of the idea first, and I think he's a liar. So get him on. Have him debate Soren Johnson. What are you waiting for? Reiner Kinesia versus Soren. Uh, folks, next week, Reiner Kinesia <laughs> versus Soren Johnson. Bruce Garrick does not speak for the uh, moderator of the podcast. Uh, Dan, so glad you could join us tonight. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Anytime you want me back, let me know. Yeah, thanks, we'll Dan. Keep you, on, keep you on the list. Bruce, Rob, a pleasure as always. Rock and roll, Thanks baby. All right. Insert rap music here. Yada, yada, yada. Good night, all. Good night. Good night. Bye. Good night. <laughs>